Charles and Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up like a slave. They said until forever. 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 Heyo, welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I'm Drew. And I'm Katie. And today we're going to talk about a movie that had its main character have baby food smeared on his face so that a dog would lick him. <laughs> they couldn't get that dog's big old tongue to do that anyway? I guess not. We're talking wow. about The Sandlot, the one of the greatest baseball movies that's ever been been filmed. So this is the second baseball movie that we've done in a row. Does somebody miss sports? <laughs> I guess I didn't really think about it. Like, did I pick a league of their own too? Yeah. Well, you gave me a couple options and I, I think I picked a league of their own from your options, but <laughs> okay. I've got plenty of other nineties baseball movies that I'm more than happy to go over. And <laughs> oh, there's so many nineties basketball movies too. Oh, we could do so. Many. I thought you were going to say basketball, not baseball. I mean, I've got both of them. I'd love to do For the Love of the Game. I don't know when that came out, but it's one of my favorite baseball movies. Have you ever seen White Men Can't Jump? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. That's going to be And for For Love of the Game, top of my head guess is going to be 1998. And I'm going to look it up right now just to see if I'm right. Okay. Oh, 99. Ah, perfect. <laughs> in the 90s. And it's about the Detroit Tigers. Well, a fictional Detroit Tigers player. So. Oh, it is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it because I'll end up going through the whole movie. <laughs> I have maybe seen part of it, but I don't think I've seen the whole thing. It's a good one. <laughs> but we're talking about the Sandlot this time. <laughs> yes, which I feel like is a movie that has spanned generations. Do you think so? Yeah. I was I, curious about this. I've talked to my students about the movie and like most of them still know, maybe I'm biased or I, you know, the group that I talk to because I coach baseball is going to be kids who have watched baseball movies. But I feel like the Sandlot is still something that kids watch. I was wondering if kids today relate to the movie because it's so centered around being outside and disconnecting from everything and just having fun and being a kid where Kids today seem like they're more centered around, you know, TV, computers, phones, like social media, that kind of thing. I just wasn't sure how they would bridge that gap. Maybe it's a universal experience. I don't know. I think it is. I don't know. I mean, there is that aspect of today. People definitely do. You know, kids are getting cell phones at way earlier ages and and so much screen time. But Kids still just like being outside and dicking around. <laughs> I'm sure that's how they would call it, too. Well, <laughs> that's what most of this movie is, is these guys just dicking around. Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever play, like, pick up baseball games like these kids? I guess they weren't even really playing games. They were just playing baseball. But Yeah. Um, we used to play in my buddy's backyard. We would play with wiffle balls and play kind of just like two on two or three on three. Cause we didn't have like 10 people that wanted to do this, but we would also play this game in the basement with this little, it wasn't a bouncy ball. It was, and it wasn't like a, a ping pong ball, but it was something that you could throw just wicked curves with. And we would play with that. And this stick that we had, that was like a mini bat. And <laughs> we would literally just play to like four in the morning until whoever's house we were staying over would like come down. The parents would come down and just be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we had a really long driveway at my house. And so that was where we played a lot. And we did play, quote unquote, baseball or softball. But I mean, at any given time, there were probably at most like four or five people. So yeah. we definitely did the ghost man on first, ghost man on second. Oh, yeah, for sure. Everyone. <laughs> I feel like that's a that's a universal thing. Like, all right, there's a ghost runner. We still do that when we're doing like practice. If we're short players and stuff like, all right, oh, yeah. there's a runner on second. Pretend. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would also, uh, you know, it's kind of a loner. 
I'd play this game with a lacrosse ball where I would throw it in like on our garage. There was the address number across the right in the middle, like right above the garage door. And so I would try and throw this ball where I would hit it exactly on that spot. But as you can imagine, teenage me sometimes missed low and it would go into the garage and like my dad wanted to, to, to just murder me. So I could you never didn't do close it. the garage door. Well, then he was even more pissed because it would hit the garage and make this huge noise. And he didn't want me to dent the garage door. Um, oh. So he's like, just throw it off the fucking house. And, <laughs> and I mean, I would. But, you know, even that he would just because I'm sure inside it just made so much noise. It was super annoying. But I would do it for hours. I did that with tennis balls, just like hitting tennis balls against the garage door. And I pretty much could only do it when nobody was home because, yeah, it's very loud. (laughs) Yeah, they put up with a lot of letting me do that. But I guess I mostly did it in the summer, like when people were at work. So, yeah, I will say one of my birthday presents when I was like, I think nine or ten was this baseball bat that had, maybe you remember it, it had like strings on it to make the ball actually like go really far. I don't remember this. Oh, it was like a black bat with green neon green strings and I think a purple grip. Um, it was not good for where we played because there was a hill on either side of this long driveway. One went down into our neighbor's driveway And then the other was just a long hill into the cul-de-sac. So if you hit too hard, then we all had to like chase that ball down the street and it would go into somebody's yard or I don't know. We were just trespassing all over the place as kids. (laughs) Of course. We, We would play street hockey a lot and we would play with a ball. And if you missed the net, you know, go down the street forever. So then you'd have to like skate down. We were rollerblade. So have to like skate down the street forever and hope like, oh, a car coming again. Yeah, we played hockey in the same place too. I was always the goalie. I don't know why. Uh, we never had goalies because it was usually like two on two or three on three. And so we just like, but we played with these little nets that were just a few feet wide. It was one on one in this case. <laughs> and you were, oh, okay. So there's just one net. It wasn't yeah. <laughs> back and forth. No. Who was the other person? My neighbor across the street, Tommy. Okay. Timmy yeah. and Tommy? <laughs> no Timmy, just Tommy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we talk about the movie? Sure. So, The Sandlot is a coming-of-age children's comedy that was released on April 7th, 1993, and it was co-written, directed, and narrated by David Mickey Evans. And I thought I had this whole like hot take and I was really proud of it. And then I went and Googled to see whether somebody else did. And yeah, it's like all over because as I was watching this movie, I was just struck by how similar it was to a Christmas story. I'm not going to lie to you. I've never seen the entirety of a Christmas story. I can't make it through it. I don't enjoy the movie and I've never once made it through it. (laughs) Well, Roger Ebert in his review said like right at the top that it was like a baseball version of a Christmas story because, well, in this case, Evans wrote the story, the screenplay for this, and was partially based on a real experience that his brother had. And a Christmas story was narrated by Gene Shepard, and that was based on his autobiographical stories. And then like there's that whole narration that runs between both. And I didn't notice until this time watching that the whole Babe Ruth baseball debacle, it's mentioned at the beginning that it's going to happen, but it doesn't actually happen until like more than halfway through, which I feel like is sort of similar to A Christmas Story where like everybody remembers the Red Ryder BB gun, but that's such a very small part of it. Well, I mean... The Babe Ruth thing isn't a small part of this movie. No, it's not a small part, but like so much is set up before you get to that. I guess so. And like there's all these vignettes, which is a lot of what Christmas Story is. And, you know, the boys are similar ages and it was all based on nostalgia and memories and whatever. So as I was watching this, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like a Christmas story. And then, yeah, not an original thought, apparently. 
Well, the kids were actually originally in the script supposed to be like nine or 10 years old. But when they started casting it, they're like, we probably got to make them a little older. Yeah, I think they probably did about the right age. And I think one of the things that Smalls says in the movie is that no other summer compared to this one. And I think that's because of the age that they were at. Yeah. That was probably the time where their focus was still on like playing games and being kids and less on, you know, girls and I don't know. Well, not for all of them. <laughs> uh, what, what other other things do you think about when you're getting older? School, college? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, there were some other things like for the summer, why they'd remember it. Like what other year are they going to get blown out of a treehouse by an explosion? That's something that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. That was a big explosion. Yeah. There was like fire going out of the windows. I was surprised the whole thing didn't come down. And no parents came up. Parents are never anywhere. I mean, there are parents in this movie, but the parents are never anywhere to be found. Well, and they're doing all this stuff next to mean old Mr. Myrtle's house. And I know he's blind, but he's not deaf. He's probably so annoyed. <laughs> like these kids won't shut the fuck up. I can't believe he didn't come out and say, well, he didn't have a lawn, but, you know, the equivalent of get off my lawn. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, the movie was originally supposed to be called The Boys of Summer, but they changed it because there's already a baseball book called that. And I'm guessing they just didn't want to. They probably would have had to pay money or something for that, I guess. Maybe. It depends on if it's trademarked, I guess. I mean, it is a pretty famous uh, baseball book. Oh, isn't there a song? I'm sure there is. <laughs> There's so many songs about baseball. Oh, I'm not even thinking of a baseball song, though. <laughs> are you thinking of The Boys Are Back in Town? No, I'm thinking of the Don Henley song, which was covered by the Ataris. Isn't it about baseball? No, it's just about, like, hanging out during the summer. Yeah, but his love will still be there after baseball is done playing, so... <laughs> It doesn't say baseball anywhere in the lyrics. It says after the, the boys of summer are long gone. The boys of summer are baseball players. I see. <laughs> well, should we talk about the cast? Sure. So the main star, I guess, is Tom Guiri. I think that's how you say it. As Scotty Smalls. Mm -hmm. I think I've only seen him in this movie. I don't know that he did a whole lot. No, I looked at his filmography. I mean, like he's got... Not like a small amount of movies, but it's nothing that I would have remembered. He was in Mystic River. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff, but like not, like you said, not stuff that I've watched. Right. And oh, I forgot the other thing I've seen him in is I, I highly doubt you've seen this. Uh, a movie called Scotland, PA. No. It's a modernized version of Macbeth that takes place at a fast food restaurant. <laughs> okay. When I taught 11th grade English one year, I used that as a movie to watch. <laughs> I figured it had something to do with that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he hasn't been in a lot of things that people have seen. Yeah. But he's still working. So good, for good job, Tom. Then we have Mike Vitar who plays Benny the Jet Rodriguez. It's surprising that he wasn't like continuing acting, I guess, because he was a I feel like he was a pretty famous child actor from this and from Mighty Ducks. For sure. Because, I mean, everyone wanted to be Benny for baseball. And then, I mean, he was kind of a a minor person in D2 and D3. He played uh, Luis Mendoza, the kid who couldn't stop. But right. I don't know. He was still cool. He's a firefighter now. Oh, yeah. We were looking him up yesterday on a Zoom call because we were curious if he was still attractive. He is. <laughs> nice. In the movie at the end, when he's older and he's on the Dodgers, like how the movie ends, uh, it's actually his older brother playing him oh. in that. Okay. Yeah. He looks so much like him. Yeah. That's interesting. He It doesn't look like he's credited, is he? Oh, there it is. Pablo. Pablo Vitar. Oh, yeah. As adult, Benny the Jet. <laughs> yes. 
Then we have Patrick Renna as Hamilton Ham Porter. And this is where a lot of the comedy, at least the, you know, insults and taunting come from. I know that like most people remember him from this movie, but I 100% remember him more from The Big Green. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love The Big Green. (laughs) Which The Big Green is not a more popular movie. It's no. And it's a much worse movie, but I just he him as the goalie in the big green. I always remember it. He's on the cover of the you like movie poster. Yeah. The cover of the VHS, too. Yeah. But he was also the last one who was cast or last kid, at least, who was cast for this movie. This was his first credited role. Yeah, I didn't know that. Previous to this, he was in an uncredited role on Salute Your Shorts. Ooh. His character was Kid That Says Danucci Peed His Pants and later was in a headlock. Nice. <laughs> a solid first first step. Yeah, but I really remember him from an ep- episode of X-Files, Bad Blood, which is all about these like vampires and whether or not they actually exist. And the story is told first from like Scully's perspective and then from Mulder's perspective. Um, it's hilarious. It's like seriously one of the best episodes of anything that I've seen. And then recently he was on Glow. I still haven't watched that. And I've never watched the X-Files, so. Man. <laughs> I know. Next we have Chauncey Lapardi as Michael Squints Paladoris. And again, another you know, comedic role. I love how he says basically every single line. So apparently the actor Chauncey is nothing like squints. Like they said, he was like into like gangster rap and he would like, after he was done, he would just be like getting, he would change clothes and everything right away and all that stuff. Uh, he was actually in a music video for, um, rapper logic i think like last year or the year before where he because they look similar and so he played him in the oh it was interesting uh i mean he (laughs) played a bully on freaks and geeks he played alan i love him on freaks and geeks (laughs) he was also on a few episodes of gilmore girls kyle i don't remember that but it sounds like something i should remember It was after she went to college. I think it was her freshman year of college. Okay. So his character in the movie, Michael Squints Polydorus, uh, was apparently based off of some guy whose name is Michael Polydorus, spelled differently. Uh, And this dude sued the production company because he said that Squints was based on him and it caused him humiliation and embarrassment. Uh, The judge threw the case out, which apparently was then like, you know, precedent for people to make films based off of other people. I mean, I wouldn't complain about that character. He was so entertaining. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like the Wendy Peppercorn thing really happened and he was just uh, embarrassed, but still come on, dude. (laughs) Yeah. I love the character of squints. I mean, yeah, the whole, we'll talk about it. The Wendy Peppercorn thing is weird and ends weird. After, you know, they grow up and stuff. But anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, next, we have Marty York. He plays Alan Yaya McLennan. He was not the first choice for this role. Oh. He actually only got the role because the other kid got sick right before they were about to start filming. Interesting. Yeah, he didn't really do a lot after this. There are a few like bit parts here and there. But I guess he has a couple of things that are in production right now. Weird. Next is Brandon Quinton Adams as Kenny DeNunez, another Mighty Duck. Yes, he played uh, Jesse Hall in the first one and I think the second one. But I don't think he was in D3. Yeah, just the first one in D2. Okay. He, I thought, I mean, well, yeah, clearly next to Benny, he was the second best player on the team. <laughs> and his arm had to have been so sore. No one else pitched. Yeah, I was watching him and I was like, wow, he can throw pretty well. <sighs> no one else pitched on that team. 
They're just running this kid. It's an astounding that he made it to the majors with how much he was throwing. <laughs> I thought he made it to the minor leagues. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just going to keep saying yeah, yeah? Probably. <laughs> uh, next is Grant Gelt as Bertram Grover Weeks. I don't really have anything on him. <laughs> no, he was just there. <laughs> yep. Um, same with Shane Obedzinski as Tommy Repeat Timmons. And his one of brother. The or, yeah. yeah, not twins. I always thought that they were like twins, even though they look nothing alike when I was little. But uh, yeah, they're brothers. Uh, so Victor Dematia plays Timmy Timmons. Wait, they're not supposed to be twins? I don't know. Are they? I thought they were. I mean, they don't, they look alike, but they're obviously not identical twins. No, but you can be fraternal twins. One of them is shorter, so I just thought that they were supposed to be brothers. All right, whatever. And I thought that was why Tommy, like, repeats everything his brother says, is because he's, like, the younger brother. Are Timmy and Tommy Nook based off of Timmy and Tommy from Sandlot? (laughs) One of them repeats the other. That's true. That's my conspiracy theory. Oh, man. Yes, that's my hot take. Timmy and Tommy Nook are based off of Timmy and Tommy Timmons. From Animal Crossing, if you're not aware. <laughs> and Timmy and Tommy <laughs> Nook run their own store that in other iterations is like a mini mall. It's True. like a department store. Oh. And these brothers grow up to invent mini malls. Oh, buddy. This goes deep. <laughs> or does it go all the way to the top? Yeah. If you listen to My Favorite Murder, that is a reference that happens over there. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Dennis Leary plays Small's stepdad, Bill. Yep. He's a prolific 90s actor. I don't think we need to go into him. Um, and then I forgot that Karen Allen plays his mom. Mm-hmm. I think she's great. I love her in Scrooged. <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, they're barely in the movie. Yeah. They're the parents. (laughs) And lastly, we have James Earl Jones as mean old Mr. Myrtle. Darth Vader himself. The kids were apparently very excited to get to meet the voice of Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. I bet. I guess we can also say that Marley Shelton plays Wendy Peppercorn. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) She is actually my Scrubs connection for today. Oh, It's as close as I could get after seven minutes of frantic research when I forgot to find something. (laughs) According to the Oracle of Bacon, which connects actors based off of degrees of separation or whatever, uh, she is one degree of connection with both Donald Faison and Zach Braff. With Donald Faison, they were both in Uptown Girls together. (laughs) And she was in The Last Kiss with Zach Braff. But my favorite one is that... Donald Faison and Chauncey Leopardi, who played Squints. Donald Faison was in Josie and the Pussycats with Eugene Levy, who was in Father of the Bride with Chauncey Leopardi. <laughs> nice. There was a stuntman who was apparently both in Sandlot and Scrubs, but I couldn't, uh, I didn't have the time or energy or care to figure out what they did. Yeah, I just was trying to see if I could find a connection real quick while you're talking. And that's the one that I found. <laughs> yeah. So is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you did it. <laughs> yeah. These it's, it'd been weird if like, I guess, well, they would have grown up by the time scrubs came out. So they might've been able to put on it, but whatever. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of these kids didn't really continue acting that much. Right. Well, I think it's clear that you and I both love this movie and we'll talk more about it, but not everybody did. (laughs) I found a pretty bad review from when this movie was released back in 1993 from Stephen Hunter from the Baltimore Sun. Let's hear it. So the headline is The Sandlot, Nothing More Than Pine Tar Nostalgia. Whoa. My favorite part was, you feel as if you're being smothered in cotton candy by a director obsessed with infantility who cannot bear to face the reality of childhood. Worse, he also imposes 90s-style retro baseball nostalgia on 60s baseball culture in a way that is conceptually self-contradictory. I don't even know what that means. Well, a lot of this review talks about how he didn't buy that kids in the 60s would be obsessed with Babe Ruth. I mean... 
I wasn't alive in the 60s, so I don't know. <laughs> but it didn't seem like they were obsessed with Babe Ruth. It just seems like they knew a lot about him. They talked about other people. They yeah. only brought up Babe Ruth because there was the ball and the kid didn't fucking know who he was. Well, they bring him up earlier. Pam is imitating the great Bambino. He has the cigar in his mouth. The great Hambino? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this says that um, the neighborhood kids are infatuated with Babe Ruth. In 1962, a year after Roger Maris broke Babe's record and four years after the Dodgers gave the West Coast its first taste of the bigs, the Dodgers aren't even mentioned in a year when they lost the pennant by one game to the Giants. But they are mentioned because isn't that the team at the end? Well, they're mentioned, but like 20 years later. Yeah, okay, I guess so. Well, whatever, to each their own. <laughs> they're wrong, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else? Uh, just a couple random things. For one, the movie was shot in just 42 days. I don't know how long it normally takes. I feel like that's short. Okay. But I also have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but some of the days they were shooting outside, they were doing playing uh, in like 110 degree heat. And apparently the actor who played Smalls uh, like passed out almost one of the days because they were just so like dehydrated. Yeah. But when they got to shooting the pool scene, it was only 56 degrees out that day. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so like there's um, the close up of squints when he's like going to go off the diving board or whatever and he can see like his teeth chattering and stuff and yeah like, you can tell just, he's really cold yeah he's apparently like freezing as cold then like i noticed that and i was like i mean i guess when you get out of the pool you're colder <laughs> yeah, especially if it's freezing the kids yeah. apparently were like we can do it it's fine <laughs> most of the other things i can talk about in the movie but apparently one day after filming wrapped the kids I'll snuck in to see a showing of Basic Instinct. <laughs> All right. Which I've never seen, but I know that they shouldn't have. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but I've seen the cover of it. <laughs> well, shall we go into the movie? Yes. I think you're going to do the recap? Not well, but I will. All right. I am ready. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Three, two, one. All right, we start with Scotty Smalls moving somewhere in California, uh, I'm guessing out by L.A. He wants to play baseball with these kids who play in a local sandlot, but he's arguably the most trash baseball player who's ever tried to play baseball. And when he tries, he can't catch, he can't throw, he can't do anything. But he's befriended by the kid's leader, Benny Rodriguez, who gives him a glove and a hat and stuff or whatever and uh, helps teach him how to play. They learn about, or he learns about the Beast, a junkyard dog who takes all of their baseballs and stuff when they hit over a fence, and blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> a bunch of kid stuff goes on where they get into a bunch of shenanigans. Eventually, they run out of baseballs, and he goes and steals his stepdad's baseball, signed by Babe Ruth, hits it out of the park, and they have to spend the rest of the movie trying to get it back through various schemes. Uh, Benny eventually jumps the fence gets it, goes on a chase, and they get it back at the end. The end. Basically got it. Yeah. You spent a little while setting up the the whole, like, him not being able to play baseball and stuff, which is pertinent. Yeah. So let's talk about that to start out. <laughs> because he is so bad and the like <laughs> one of like the three scenes with Dennis Leary in it has Dennis Leary trying to teach him how to throw and catch a baseball. They had to teach him how to not play baseball because he played like little league and he knew how to oh. play baseball. So they had to teach him how to be bad. And like he said that afterward, his coach saw it, his little league coach and like upset at how bad he was in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Do you know if they had to do any sort of training like they did with a league of their own? Like how they I don't played think so. like constantly? No? No. I didn't see anything about it. Okay. I was just curious. I mean, it's definitely like backyard baseball. It's not as serious as a professional baseball league, but. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes from this is when Scotty comes after like this first day when he was out there and he was horrible and he like ran the ball into the infield and handed it over to. De Nunez, which I was just like, oh my fucking God, dude, just go home. <laughs> Benny's like, hey, Smalls, I'm going to hit you one. 
and he just hasn't put his glove up in the air. He's like, I'll take care of it. How do I catch it? Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. Benny's the greatest baseball player who's ever existed. Because <laughs> a lot of players get hit it in the general area of them, right in that direction, right at him. But to hit it right in his outstretched glove, that his eyes are closed, he's not doing anything. He just has his yeah. hand up there. It's the greatest. It's the greatest hit that's ever happened. Or is it a false memory? You never know. Are you telling me that he's an unreliable narrator? <laughs> I wouldn't put too much credit on some of this stuff. I've never thought <laughs> of it that way. I've always assumed everything they said to be 100% true, which thinking on it now, they thought that there was a dog that was going to like murder everyone. So <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yep. I thought that you were going to mention the fact that it opens with a present day scene, and I was curious whether you hated this as much as you hated the A League of Their Own use of the same thing. Honestly, I don't think I was paying attention at the beginning, so <laughs> I guess not. I mean, I guess I didn't like it because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Well, both the both movies have like flashbacks or flash forwards to the present day at both the beginning and the end. I mean, I don't hate all movies that are frame stories. Like, I love The Princess Bride. But again, would The Princess Bride be fine if it wasn't a grandfather reading a story to a kid? Yeah, it would still be a perfectly fine movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It probably would be, but I, I like the context, I guess. What are, what's one of your favorite scenes? I really love when they have the whole camp out to tell Smalls about the beast. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. And it happens so much earlier in the movie than I remembered. Like, it's his second day of playing baseball with them, right? It's after Ham hits the home run and Smalls tries to go get it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they're all like, don't do it, dude. <laughs> yeah. I think they say that he's going to get himself killed. And so to explain the legend of the beast, they all have a camp out in their like tree fort, which is directly above the beast. <laughs> right. So they should know what it looks like. I think they know what it looks like, but they think it's really mean. Okay. Did you know that the beast was played by two people in a costume for much of the movie? <laughs> really? <laughs> the actual dog is a mastiff. Right. That dog is long dead. <laughs> Just like saying. Hans. Hans is long dead too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here, I'm going to link you a picture of Beast. Wow. That's kind of terrifying. Right? It looks so freakish. What is worse, this or the reindeer, the reindeer. in the Frozen musical? The reindeer from Frozen. The reindeer in Frozen the Musical is the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> we saw the Frozen Musical. When was that? Like February? January? Of last year? I don't know this last. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was last year at least. Was it? Was it in September? It was February of this year. I'm pretty sure. I guarantee. I don't guarantee it wasn't because I don't have any uh, concept of time anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to check now. It probably was. I feel like it was forever ago because the last three months have <laughs> lasted 10 years. It was February 8th. But yeah, so we saw Frozen the Musical with our friend Sarah. And just the entire time, Drew was freaking out about the reindeer costume. <laughs> it's That had terrifying. a man in it. Oh, his arms were the wrong way. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, um... Yeah, so this Mastiff is, yeah, a couple people and like a puppet head. And it's kind of like that costume where two people are a horse. Yeah, it's terrifying. If you ever just look it up, if you just Google it, you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But there's two great things about this campout scene that I want to say. Mm-hmm. One is the s'mores, where apparently Smalls has never heard of, let alone had a s'more. And when he's offered one, he says, s'more what? And then the quote that's on your shirt that you're wearing right now, you're killing me, Smalls. Hey, you want a s'more? S'more what? Okay. No, I no, no, you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet, so how can I have some more of nothing? Shut up! You're killing me, Smalls. Apparently, the kids could not get through that scene with <laughs> with the s'mores. Like, apparently, Ham was just making them all laugh. If you watch it, and I paid attention this time, like you can see them all like biting their lips and like trying <laughs> so hard not to laugh. Nice. I never really caught the fact that they were roasting the marshmallows over candles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Squints tells everybody to be quiet because he's going to tell them the story of the beast. And this is another thing that was kind of like a Christmas story because in that there's like this whole montage of black and white robbers um, trying to, I don't know, break into his house or something like that. And Ralphie saves the day. And this was similar in that it was a black and white montage of robbers trying to steal from the junkyard. And so he gets this dog and serves it entire sides of beef until it beefs up and becomes mean. Hercules, the beast. (laughs) Yeah, they don't know his name is Hercules yet, but. Right. I like how he says it added up to about 120, 173 guys. It's true. There are so many baseballs in that field, though. Like, (laughs) that dude never, he probably never goes out into his junkyard anymore. Yeah. And then we have the other classic quote that he'll, the dog will be there for the rest of his life. Forever. Is the, well, yeah, that's, mm, I'm trying to think of what would be the most quoted thing from this. It's either got to be you're killing me, Smalls, or forever. I want to say it's you're killing me, Smalls. But I think both have a pretty equal amount of, like, attachment to the movie. Like, if you say either one, people know that you're referencing The Sandlot. Yeah. I think the you play ball like a girl is also another big one from this. Although I think that's died uh, <laughs> in, in recent years. Yeah, as it should be. Though I am not great at baseball. <laughs> I've watched uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but I do love the scene where they play the other kids, the actual team, and beat the piss out of them. But Ham talking shit to everybody who comes up to bat is just great. Yeah, he has so much shit talking. Is that your sister <laughs> out there naked in left field? <laughs> Think she'll go out with me? It's a, yeah. it's a great scene. And then they, after that is where they're like so excited about beating a real team that they go to the fair. And I did not remember that they get chewing tobacco. Chaw. Like chaw. Like that totally was erased from my mind. But when they start getting sick on the ride, yeah. that I remembered. <laughs> so I forget what the vomit was made of but the chewing tobacco that they had was licorice and bacon bits and it says that afterwards he or they say afterwards that they decided that they weren't going to act like big men or something like that anymore and they were going to stick to the bubble gum what's it called big league chew big league chew yeah yeah should we talk about the pool scene yes that's what i was just about to say (laughs) okay so Squints has had a crush on Wendy Peppercorn apparently his entire life. And he decides to go for it. And no one else really knows what he's talking about. Um, but he goes. Well, when they saw Wendy Peppercorn earlier that day and Betty asks what took them so long because they were buying a new baseball. I th- can't remember if it's Yaya or who, but one of them is like Squints was perving a dish. Perving a dish. <laughs> And so it's later that day that they go to the pool to scam pool honeys. Right. And <laughs> Ham, like, hitting on all the the moms that are there, like, alongside the pool. Yeah. And then doing and a cannonball. 
The narrator says that none of them had ever seen a Playboy magazine before, but they figured the pool was the next best thing. As you do. <laughs> so, yeah, we go we go to Squints. He goes to the high dive. Just a it's just a diving board. It's not even a high dive. I thought it was a high dive, whatever. No, it was just a normal diving board cuz I remembered it being a high dive and I was surprised it was just a diving board, but Squints can't swim, so it doesn't matter what height it is. Right. He can't swim. Everyone freaks out. Peppercorn jumps in, saves him, and is administering mouth-to-mouth. We see Squints, still conscious now, sexually assault her by making out with her. Um, Yeah, he was totally not unconscious earlier. Like, when they're laying him down on the ground, he, like, smiles before she starts doing mouth-to-mouth. And, like, the way he's being laid out, like, he's definitely controlling his limbs. (laughs) Right. So apparently the actor, Chauncey, he was like nervous, like anxious about the scene and like kept asking when it was going to be, when it was going to be, when it was going to be. And then the day of, they had to tell him to like, keep, keep your tongue in your mouth, dude. Like, (laughs) don't be a fucking perv. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely, you know, an assault. I would say it's not something that was... A good like they really build it up um, yeah. after the fact. They like call him a legend. Basically, they said that what he'd done was sneaky and rotten and cool, and uh, they get banned forever from the pool, which is a good thing. But cancel culture, am I right? <laughs> That's a good point. They did get canceled. I I wish I could say that would never happen in a movie now, but we know that people are still shitty and we'll still write stuff into those and film it and put it in. So yeah. I mean, I do somewhat like the whole pool scene, but it's more the fact that there's a scene at the pool and I just love that aspect of summer. And I think it's really cool to see it in movies. It kind of reminded me of the Pete and Pete episode we watched in our very, very first episode. Yeah, I can see that. Eventually, as we said before, Scotty, they're they're out of baseballs and Scotty goes and grabs uh, one that is signed by Babe Ruth, which he still doesn't know who Babe Ruth is, apparently, even after being around all these guys, which proves, I think, to me that they don't just spend all their time talking about Babe Ruth. Otherwise, at this <laughs> point, he would have known who it is. They just, yeah, that's true. Whatever. But they call him by nicknames. They call him the Colossus of Clout, the Great Bambino, the Sultan of Swat. <laughs> that's the same guy? <laughs> um, before that happens... Benny hits a baseball and the leather comes off of it. And they think that that's an omen for something good. But then they realize it's an omen for something bad. <laughs> Is it though? I mean, they put an end to everything. I like think all it of their ended fear. up being good at the end. So yeah. Once they realize that the ball, which Scotty then hits out of the yard and somehow, which seems impossible, that's the most bullshit thing that's ever happened. Uh, they have to go get it and they go through all of their things with like the remote control crane and the vacuum cleaner and all the stuff. Yeah. He uses his erector set. Yeah. Which, I mean, I always loved those scenes. Those are really funny. Those are cool. I like how Smalls is like, we should just go knock on the door. And they're like, Mr. Myrtle is the meanest man who ever lived. Well, Squints is the one who says that. Yeah. Turns out that. At the end, that's what they should have done. We got of course, the ball back, obviously. Didn't we? <laughs> um, I just love when they're doing the contraptions, though, and Squints is like guiding them, like yeah. looking in the hole, and he's like, farther, just a little bit farther. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I just love how he says those lines. It's so funny. When the vacuums explode, we kind of talked about the explosion earlier, and I think it's Timmy who comes out covered in dust. When I was little, I thought that he was a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I can't believe he survived that fiery explosion. Unscathed. (laughs) Everybody else bailed and he was left. And so I was like, he died. (laughs) Some of them jumped from like out of it. They didn't climb down. They jumped out of a essentially a second story window. I think Benny did a flip. Yeah. Benny's visited by the spirit of Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, played by Art LaFleur. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid. You never go wrong. 
that was the line that always stuck out to me for a while when I was younger. Definitely not for me. It wasn't funny enough. It's about baseball. It's about being a legend. So he gets some PF flyers, which uh, apparently all of them have been wearing throughout the entire movie, uh, according to things that I've read. I wasn't paying attention, but apparently they're all wearing PF flyers. So I don't know why they, <laughs> but whatever. I don't know what PF flyers are. They're the shoes. I know that. Yeah. But what's so special about them? They're just cool shoes. They're guaranteed to make a kid uh, run faster and jump higher. Were they like a cool thing in the 60s or like later too? I mean, JP has a pair now. He wears oh. all the time. So okay. it says, by the 60s, PF was one of the most popular shoes in America with a 20% hold on all canvas sneakers sold, but struggled with industry changes in the 70s. Yeah, I've only seen them through this movie as far as I know. The brand relaunched in 2003. I don't know. Anyways, Benny decides he's going to jump the fence, get the ball. He does it, but the beast breaks his chains, leaps over the <laughs> fence, and we have the chase scene to the, to the soundtrack of Wipeout. Right. <laughs> um, which, okay, you said about the way that Small or Squint says the one line that you loved it. There's like, they're at a, when they go by the pool. And there's like that little kid who sees them and he's like, there's a yeah. doggy. Oh, there's a big doggy. I yeah. don't know why that line has always been in my head. I loved that line as a kid too. And I actually wrote it down on this, on my notes too. Thank God. Mommy, mommy, look at doggy. Ooh, a, a big, big doggy. doggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Benny like does a loop. He runs back to the sandlot. I don't know how far he ran, but he was booking it for a long time. Yeah, he was running at full speed for, he had to have run several miles. I would think so. He ran from the Sandlot into town. They ran through a like Founders Day celebration. I always remember when the... The cake? Well, I always remember when they're running down the table. Um, but yeah, then they avoid the really tall cake and the only reason that it gets destroyed is because of the clown on stilts. But he goes back to the sandlot, jumps the fence again, and the dog goes through the fence, but then the fence falls on him. And in my notes, I just wrote, poor puppy. <laughs> I know, little puppers. <laughs> he whimpers, and Smalls is the only one that's going to help. And then Benny, because he's a good dude, comes and helps. Yeah. And uh, the Beast shows them, like, his stash, bro. The beast just loved balls. He just loved baseballs. <laughs> he just wanted to play. That's it. When he was getting the ball originally, right after he jumped the fence, like the dog drops the ball and it looked like he wanted to play. But right. then he started growling. So like well, I could see how you would get mixed messages, but <laughs> But I mean, like when Ruby has her toy and I reach for it, she growls, but she wants me to chase her. She oh, loves okay. it. So I, you know, just <laughs> They're just playing. Um, <laughs> they meet Mr. Myrtle, a.k.a. Darth Vader, a.k.a. James Earl Jones, who turns out to be someone who played with Babe Ruth and went blind after being hit by a baseball. Um, yep. Which seemed like this could have been a point in the movie where they could have like addressed issues of racism in baseball or something, but then they decided not to and just said That's no. That's a good point. He got hit by a baseball. Well, he said that he would crowd the plate so that he would eliminate the strike zone. Right, but he definitely didn't play in the majors. So when did he play with Babe Ruth? Oh, good point. When did they integrate baseball? 1947, 1949. Oh, okay. I forget which I didn't year. even think about that. They definitely should have addressed that. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, gives them a baseball in return for... The chewed up one, he gives him one signed by all the 1927 Yankees, which Smalls gives to Bill, explains what happened, and they bond. I'm sure that Bill was like pissed, but also like, oh, dude, all right. <laughs> <laughs> he only gets grounded for a week instead of the rest of his life. Yeah. And now Hercules is their mascot. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the race thing. When Benny had his dream about Babe Ruth coming to visit him, Babe Ruth takes his Hank Aaron baseball card and is like, I don't know why, but I think I should hold on to this. Do you know why he said that? 
Well, Hank Aaron's the guy that broke Babe Ruth's home run record. Okay. For like career. Got it. That's probably interesting. Why. Okay. I just wasn't sure if it was like connected to the whole thing with the neighbor or whatever was going oh, on. No. Um, that's pretty much it. There's the little wrap up scene at the end where Benny is on the Dodgers and Scotty's apparently the play by play announcer for the Dodgers. And why is he wearing the stupid salmon hat again? Oh, I don't fucking know. Because he's still <laughs> Benny a told nerd. him to burn it. <laughs> yeah. Benny, who is at the end of his career, it seems, uh, steals home, which is fucking insane to me because, like, even for players who are in incredibly fast, like, that's such a hard thing to do in the majors, let alone somebody who's, like, at the tail end of their career. But, hey, <laughs> whatever. Well, and then Benny looks up at Smalls and they give each other a thumbs up. It was cute. <laughs> Blah. Blah. <laughs> um, we didn't really mention that there is like a whole thing where the narrator explains what happened to all the guys. The only two that were of note to me were that I think who was it? Bertram or Yaya got really into the 60s and was never heard from again. I don't remember. <laughs> and then Squints grew up and married Wendy Peppercorn. They had nine kids. That's just rewarding bad behavior. Yeah, come on, Wendy. No, I meant the writer. <laughs> I, I know. I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like the writer being wishful and not really thinking about what he yeah. was perpetuating. It's like, oh, God, there was this one lifeguard I wish that I could have just like tricked into making out with me and then married. <laughs> Oh, you know what um, we didn't talk about was that the whole story, I mentioned at the beginning that it was based on the screenwriter's brother's real experience. Mm -hmm. What it actually was is that his brother, well, he and his brother were kind of like outcasts, I guess, growing up. And one day his brother was like going to go play baseball or like kind of got invited to go play. And the baseball went over the fence and he had to go get it. And there was a dog on the other side of the fence and it bit him. Yeah. And he just gave the ball back and then like went home or something. Not as fun. So story. not a very good memory, but he turned it into this movie that, uh, I think is meant to turn that poor memory into a happy one. Well, do you want to rate it? Yeah. Well, I used the site letterboxd and I went through a long time ago and rated a bunch of movies that I'd already seen. And at that time I had given this movie three and a half stars. And then when I was watching it this time, I was thinking about my rating and I was like, I can't keep this at three and a half stars. There's so many good quotes. And even with the Wendy Peppercorn thing, there's just so much fun in it and so much nostalgia, not just like nostalgia watching the movie, but just like that childhood nostalgia that, yeah. you know, we were talking about our experiences playing, you know, neighborhood sports and stuff growing up. And I don't know, I think it just kind of makes you think about that stuff. And so regardless of, you know, the context of some of these scenes and whatever happens um, in the future with squints, I think it is a great movie. And I think it holds up. I hope that kids today watch this and can connect with it, despite the fact that there are no cell phones or social media in it. And right. I'm going to give this four out of five s'mores. Nice. I'm trying, I've been trying to think this time, like what would be different if, if you were to make this exact same movie today, would the kids have cell phones? I feel I like some of them so. would have cell phones. Yeah. At least some of all. them. I mean, I've been watching the new Babysitter's Club, which the books were written in 86, and now we're in 2020, and all of the kids have cell phones, and they're 12, 13 years old. Okay. Timmy and Tommy definitely would have had, like, a drone. <laughs> they would have taken a drone to, like, see what's going on in there. They would have surveilled the land and, like, figured something out that way. They would have gotten that drone destroyed. Oh, yeah. The dog, the beast would probably like <laughs> jump up and like take it down. Oh, real quick. Oh, so, sorry. One thing that I didn't say when they were doing the whole like trying to get the ball back. One of the ideas is to send Yaya over the fence. 
why, who, what, why, why did that happen? Who would sign up for that? <laughs> well, they also had the catapult thing that did work, except the yeah. beast like leaps up and <laughs> snatches it out of the air. Yeah. Which is <laughs> give up then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They would have done a drone or something. They would have, I don't know. I feel like they would have just gone and gotten it. Somebody would have gotten like gone on Amazon and gotten those, um, the gear that like they police have for when they're training canine dogs <laughs> get like the body armor. And then they could have sent. Yeah. Yeah. Over wearing that. Yeah. Um, no, it does. It, it's one of my favorite baseball movies. It's definitely probably in my top. It's definitely in my top five for baseball movies. It's not number one. So. I can't even name five baseball movies. Yeah, you can. Okay. Maybe I can name five, but barely. Not ones I've seen. Not ones I've You've seen. You've never seen Angels in the Outfield? I have seen that. Um, let's see. Major League? Nope. Um, Bull Durham? Nope. Uh, F- Fever Pitch? Yes. <laughs> I've never seen Fever Pitch. I never will. Because <laughs> it's about Boston? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I know that you know of like Field of Dreams, things like that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't but. seen it though. That's a boy movie. A league of their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I I'd say that this movie I still quote it wearing my "You're Killing Me" small shirt. I would give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it four and a half PF flyers out of five. Nice. Yeah. Good rating. This is a good movie. It's fun to rewatch. Yeah, I definitely liked it. I it was a little bit longer than I th- thought. I will say that, but I feel it was that a way about time. everything right now. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> my brain, like time, is so warped. I'm like, God, how long I've been watching this? Oh, seven minutes. Jesus. Um, I watched the Star Wars Holiday Special. It is ninety-seven minutes, and I felt every single one of those minutes. I believe that. <laughs> um, I believe that you have a review. I do. I do have a review. This is from Brit9473820. I'm sure that was a randomly assigned name That's on iTunes. That's our social security number. <laughs> and the title is Such a Blast. Loving listening to TFGIF and reliving the 90s. It was a simpler time of playing Power Rangers and sitting on blow-up furniture, and I am here for it. Katie and Drew are delightful, and I can't wait to hear what else they discuss. Oh, thank you And if you would like to have your review read, please leave us one. That would be great. Great first step. (laughs) I'm currently working through some of the other ones that we've gotten, but we would love getting them. And you can also follow us on social media. We're at TFGIF Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. I post different stuff on each one, so follow both of them. I only... I mean, I see, I'm not on Instagram enough to ever see the stuff that's on there, but I see all the Twitter stuff and yeah. Katie's GIF usage is top notch. Yeah. I like to say I speak fluent GIF. Yeah. <laughs> I I put a lot of care into the GIFs that I post. So, and you can also send us an email at tfgifpodcast at gmail.com. And again, like reviews, we'll, we'll read them out. And next week, what do we have? Or not next week, two weeks. <laughs> next time, uh, back to TV and believe step by step. Yeah. I was just about to start singing the theme song, but the song that came into my mind was the New Kids on the Block song, Step by Step. I don't know it. Step by step. Ooh, baby. Not ringing any bells. I never uh, listened to New Kids on the Block. I didn't really either. I was too young for it, but I do remember making up a dance to that song when I was like five with our neighbor kids in my first neighborhood. It's actually surprising that I didn't listen to them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a TGIF show. Fun times. I'm sure I watched Step by Step, but I don't remember anything of it except for the theme song. And I... Cody? no, I, all I can think about is Full House. I keep those two are interchangeable in my head, even though they're not. They're Interesting. Not. So I don't 
remember who is in it. I don't remember what it's about. I don't remember where it takes place. It's Suzanne Summers and Patrick Duffy as the parents. It, nothing's going to jog my memory, so I'll just have to it's watch. It's kind of like a 90s version of Brady Bunch. Gross. So the, okay. the, the parents with three kids bring their families together. Does the youngest one have curls? No, the youngest one. Actually, which one is the youngest one? I don't know. The youngest one is a annoying sibling. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure that I'll have fun watching it. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be true. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, until then. Bye. bye.